Good afternoon, Susie. Let's go. Am I supposed to be talking? Oh, hey everybody. Welcome to the Melanated Table, where we are a group of black women who are going to talk about black woman stuff from our perspective. Um, we know there are many different perspectives, but again, each of us is living in our own reality. So we will talk about how we are affected by these things and the different perspectives that we may have. Um, are we doing introductions today or am I just introducing me? Okay, I can't hear anybody. So I'm Sunila. Um, we have Amira, there's Toya, there's Sonia, there's Cheryl, there's Alexis, who's the baby of the bunch, and there's Carlene. So you will at some point hear from each one of us and we hope, and there is, is Cheryl in there? Hey, Cheryl, there goes Cheryl. So at some point you will be hearing from each one of us. So please stay tuned and tune in every time you hear about the melanated table being on. Also, um, just make sure you join and let your friends know, your girlfriends, your boyfriends, your boo, your honey, whomever, that the melanated table will be here. Today, I'm going to be speaking about a, well, it's a quote in a book, so I'm going to say it to you in a nice political way, and then I'm going to tell you about it, how it was actually said in the book. So today's topic is, the black woman is the mule of the world. So this is a paraphrased quote from Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. And this book was written during the Harlem Renaissance, which was in the early 1900s to the eight, the eight late 1800s to about maybe the 1930s where um, black people were moving from the South to the North after the Civil War, because we know the South was a hot mess. And they wanted to come to the North for more you know, financial freedom, economic freedom and you know some different political issues that were going on were not as harsh in the north so their eyes are watching god by zora neale hurston was written during that time the actual way that it was said in the book i'm going to give you the whole context of it let me pull my glasses down in the book let me give you a little background um there's nanny talking to her granddaughter janie Janie is of mixed race because her mother, who's black, was raped by a white man. And Nanny raised Janie because they don't know wh what happened to her mom. Her mom kind of went crazy. So it says, honey, the white man is the ruler of everything as far as I've been able to find out. Maybe it's someplace way off in the ocean where the black man is in power but we don't know nothing but what we see. So the white man throw down the load and tell the nigger man to pick it up. He pick it up because he have to, but he don't tote it. He hand it to his woman folk. 
the nigger woman is the mule of the world, so far as I can see. So again, we have to consider the context in which this was written. So that took me to into, I brought it up a little bit and we will go back at that time, but what is a mule? What, what will make her, you know, compare to a mule? But when I looked up a mule, a mule is the offspring of a male donkey and a female horse. Okay, that's simple enough. Um, they are sterile. A male, a, a mule is a male, first of all. Um, they're sterile, but they do think you should castrate them or gild them or in regular talk, cut their nuts off to make them safe and sociable. So castrate them. Um, if they're treated with force and abuse, they are not likely to comply. But when you treat them with patience and kindness and understanding, they will learn to trust and obey, which will make them more gentle and docile. They're smart animals, lots of common sense. A strong desire for self-presentation is what might make them inclined to resist you. Um, mules are strong animals who can work in all conditions, all kind of weather. So going back to where it said um, a strong desire for self-preservation is what might make them inclined to resist takes me to, we've all heard, well, most of us have heard of the statement, as stubborn as a mule. Now, a mule's going to work hard for you, but it will resist abuse. Now, again, if we take this back to the black woman, that, that may or may not be you. You think about it. We'll talk about it later. Now, to go back into the context of the original quote and why that was said by Nanny. Nanny didn't have all that information on what a mule was. She just knew what she knew. And she knew that mules were animals basically were used as beasts of burden so she meant black women are the ultimate unsung hero black women are the ultimate janitor black women are the ultimate garbage can and that is not what she wanted for her granddaughter uh there is a song by beyonce called Save the hero. I'm going to give you some of the lyrics to this song. It says, I lay alone, awake at night. Sorrow fills my eye, but I'm not strong enough to cry. Despite of my disguise, I'm left with no shoulder, but everybody wants to lean on me. I guess I'm their soldier, but who's going to be mine? When she's left all alone and she's crying out for help, who's there to save the hero? Who's there to save the girl after she saves the world? I bottle all my hurt inside. I guess I'm living a lie. Inside my mind each day, I die. What can bring me back to life? And think about that. What, if you're, what, what will bring you back to life? She says a simple word, a gesture. Someone to say, you're beautiful. Come find this buried treasure. Rainbows lead to a pot of gold. Right there, I think she's being kind of nasty. Um, and again, who's there to save the girl after she saves the world? I've given too much of myself, and now it's driving me crazy. I'm crying out for help. Sometimes I wish someone would just come here and save me. Save me from myself. 
So who saves the mule when the mule needs help? Who saves the girl after the girl has saved the world? Um, black women are not always looked at as fragile and in need and deserving of protection. Usually, when you think about, if I say a damsel in distress, most of you picture a white woman in your mind. When you think of damsel in distress, the first image that came to your mind was a white woman needing help. When you think damsel in distress, you don't think of a black woman needing help because we're beasts of burden. We should be able, we have to be able to handle all of that. And that's not always, you know, how it goes. Um, according to an article in the American Psychological Association, black women are often less likely to be associated with the concept of a typical woman. We're not, we're not associated with the typical women. Um, we're viewed, we're viewed more as more similar to a black man than a black woman, which takes me into the whole say her name. We've seen women on TV, black women, be subject to police brutality because we're more associated with black men. So we're not always looked at as, you know, the damsel in distress or the typical woman. Um... Now, that could be something, I mean, sometimes being thought of as a mule could be a good thing because at this point, we do know that they're awesome creatures. However, how Nanny meant this when she was talking to Janie was not that. Um, as black women in like the rap videos, we're bitches, we're hoes, we asses, we titties. We ain't nothing but body parts. We're not thought of as, in a, as far as the big media, we're usually portrayed as, when we look at um, reality TV, we all this, and all that fussing and fighting, and again, we're body parts. We're not human beings. We're not thought of as the fragile women like, our white, like white women are. And that's not to say all white women are bad, but again, we are not looked at like that. Um, we can't get away with saying half the crap out of our car window to a policeman that they'll get away with. Um, so again, as far as Nanny thought, we are the mule of the world. We're, we're the ultimate garbage can. The trash gets handed down further and further, but once it gets to us, we have to deal with it and figure out what it is that we're going to do with it. Um, so there's also the black woman or the mule that does not have. How does that mule get protection? Now we do know that there are some black women that have power and money. They get protected in different situations. But what about the mule that doesn't have all of that money? What about the everyday mule that gets all of this handed down? Again, after that mule saves the world, who saves her? And now I will open up the floor to my girls to make comments and ask any questions and begin the discussion. Hey, Susie. Who is that? Yeah, no, oh, Cheryl. Say your name. <laughs> hey, Cheryl. So thinking about 
us black females as mules. What do you think we can do to kind of change that perception of from others? Um, I know, you know, it's been centuries and forever that we've been portrayed as like that. And for me, I can totally agree with it and align with it because, you know, I raised three sons, right? Their father passed years ago when they were, mm -hmm. my two older sons' father passed years ago when they were younger. So I had to raise them. So everything was on my shoulders. So I was a meal and I really didn't, like you say, have an outlet who's going to help me. But I think also um, thinking about how others portray us and see us as hard and aggressive and really um, masculine at some times, uh, just because we are black women. We're seen, I, I know at the, um, at work, you know, we're seen as if we say something against the norm, we're seen as the angry black woman, you know, we're seen as someone that does not align with the, um, the picture that they want us to be. So how can we overcome that? It's not going to happen overnight, of course, but how can, what can we do? You think that we can all kind of start overcoming that bias that others have against us specifically um, Caucasians. That bias, that bias, that it, that's like you said, it's been going on for generations and I don't know that that will ever be something that's gone. It's talked about. We we're one. And as far as the, the pledge of allegiance, you know, one nation under right. God, but we know all that's BS bull crap. What we can do is cultivate our own little corner of the world, you know, our, our own little universe where in which you create, and you have your people and what's set there, but that would probably be it. You know, you make your own universe. Y'all, y'all are a part of my universe. And, you know, and, and in that universe, um, we're not aggressive. We're not masculine. You know, we, we don't have to be masculine. I think I don't, you know, I, I'll cry in a minute. But yeah, once I'm out there and, and in society, I do have to put on that game face. And sometimes I don't want to put on that game face. I do want to be protected. I do want to be looked at as, you know, let me open the door for you or, you know, let me help her out. But being a black woman, that's not always afforded to us. Um, as far as the angry black woman, sometimes I am angry. Definitely. Um, and again, because we are, I mean, the way we are treated, the way we're portrayed, and it's not all on others. Some of it is us. We don't know how to manage our emotion. So a lot of us sure don't want to go and say, hey, I need counseling. I'll tell you in a minute. I, I, my therapy starts tonight at seven. Okay. But again, we don't want to do that because of how we've been through the generations, how it's come down. We, we need help. And if you're an angry black woman, why are you angry? You know, we don't even think to check ourselves, talk to ourselves. Why am I angry? Why do I feel this way? What's going on with me? We don't want ourselves to take that alone. Can you hear it? Raise your hand, baby. Yes. Sometimes I'm not angry until they tell me I'm angry. That's when I get angry. Sometimes I'm just expressing myself like they want me to do. And by expressing myself, they tell me I'm angry or I'm aggressive or I'm the problem. 
because I'm expressing myself, because I'm speaking, because my passion or my excitement in my voice is threatened. It's threatening to them. And so then I'm angry because how is it by me just being honest and open and being real? How is that being angry? Maybe because we have reason to be angry. Maybe because the way we're being treated, we should be angry. But many of us, we're not angry. We should be. We have every right to be by the way that we're treated by society, by not just the white man, not by the white woman, but also by the black man. We, the black, and that's why I say we are, I agree, we are the black mule. We are the mule because we are treated so badly by so many different entities and yet we're called upon to support everybody. So we're the angry ones, yet when they want somebody to go and fight for somebody else's rights or somebody else being mistreated, who do they call? So yeah, sometimes I am angry, you know, but sometimes I'm not. And sometimes, you know, and I've been told a few times when I said like, oh, that hurt my feelings. And I've been, I've been, it's by multiple different races, not, and multiple genders, not just, not just black, not just white, but you have feelings. I didn't know that that would hurt. I didn't know that your feelings got hurt. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes I'm angry. I agree. Um, and as you were saying about, you know, who fights for us during women's suffrage, white women really didn't want us fighting for women's voting rights with them. We had to do our own march for suffrage, even though um, during suffrage, they wanted to get the right for women to vote. White women didn't want black women marching with them. So they did their own march and black women did their own march. We're like, what kind of garbage was that? So again, it's like, the, we'll look, you know, we, we the mule of the world. If you can't help us, we don't want you. But we do want you to show up if your presence will help us. Right. Yeah. Also, I, I wanted to chime in a little bit. Um, some of the things, like you mentioned earlier, about the perception of people upon us. We play a lot into that perception. So, for instance, when I watch movies, about black people, made by black people, not all, but a lot of movies are specifically written by men. Women are treated so terribly in these movies, like the slut, the the girl that he's just cheating around on, he's beating up on her, she's the, the video vixen or whatever, the stripper, the hooker, the whatever. Or in the music. So it's like, and then we play a lot into that because we we go watch the movies. We buy the music. And so if we don't say to ourselves, we're not going to spend money on these things. They're just going to keep producing them because this, we're not saying we don't like that. Because how can we say we don't like it if we keep buying into it? That's true. Um, as far and you're right. As far as our perception in media and movies, we do know that Hollywood and, and most institutions, period, are very misogynistic towards women. Movies, e even church. Who runs the churches? The men run the church. You know, so misogyny is rampant 
um, in society, but and again, in media, we the hoes. And even when you look at like Maury Povich, for people, when I did watch it, you wanted to wait till you saw some black people on there, then you would tune in. Um, so yeah, we do play a part in that. Even when you mentioned the video, I think that at this point, you know, Cardi B has raised a lot of people's kids. Um, and all of that, that whole thing there have raised our kids. So again, they, that's what they're watching on TV, the reality TV, which is scripted reality. And they feel like that's how they should act. You know, at my job, I see more girls with the, the real long, long, long teeth and the long, long braids because that's what they see on TV. But some kind of way, we have to figure out how to be a bigger influence on our daughters. And I don't even mean our biological daughters. I mean our black daughters. We have to figure out how we can be a bigger influence on them so they don't always think, well, I'm trying to be number one. You don't want to be number one. You want to be the only. You know, you don't want to have to be a, a part of that. So figuring out how, you know, we can be a bigger influence on our daughters. Again, we ain't going to hit all of them. But how, you know, how we can be a bigger influence on our daughters. You know, like I said, society, media, they want our money because we currency. We are straight up currency. Just think about it. There was a time where I could be sold, which means I'm worth something. I am currency. You know, so yeah, we have to work all that. And I was just going to say, um, bringing it back to what Cheryl was saying, how we can change our perspective. Um, just like what you said, Susie, because I see some of these young ladies in the, when you go out in the street, whatever. I mean, I grew up, it's about presentation. My mother wouldn't allow me to go out of the house looking a certain way. That's just how I was raised. Um, and I think it goes back to that. It's the family. Like they may not be getting that in their home. And we as women have to be able to bring them aside and say, listen, you know, you don't have to do that. Um, you're beautiful. You don't have to portray yourself as that. You don't have to have um, that type of demeanor or attitude um, in that way. Like, I think it's important for us to do that. We may not even know these young ladies, but I feel like if I see something, I need to tell her about it um, because that's how I think they'll be able to grow. They need that. And I think that that's missing. Um, and that's all I wanted to say about that. Yeah. I agree, Carlene. Um, yeah. At work, I'm called the fashion police because these girls come in looking any kind of way. And, you know, and I'm like, how do you wear leggings that you work out in the gym with to work? So I do. I pull them aside and I'm like, uh, do you think that's appropriate for corporate America, even though we're laid back at my company? But do you really think that that's how you want to be perceived when someone's looking at you? They leave nothing to the imagination. Um, I would love to hear from Alexis because, you know, she's at that age and she doesn't, as you know, being part of our village, she doesn't portray what social media wants them to portray. 
Yes, I definitely agree. You know, there's a time and a place for everything. Again, what you wear at work versus maybe what you wear at the club will be very different. But I also agree with Carlene and about how you bring that up to people and bring that up to women is very important. Not just telling them that they shouldn't wear that because they look like a hoochie mama, but start to have those conversations to be able to think of the reason why they're wearing it. Are they trying to get attention from men? Do they just want to show some skin? Or are they dealing with something internally that is causing them to act this way and try to build those relationships in order to help change that from the inside out instead of just talking down on somebody? Because I think talking down on somebody and telling them that they look like a hoochie or a streetwalker or something, it's only going to make them either want to do it more or make them feel bad, which is not even scratching the surface of the real problem, which I think definitely needs to be done. But I also wanted to talk about the portrayal that y'all were talking about media is because, like y'all said, a lot of Black women in media, it tends to be short shorts, big butt, twerking. And, you know, sometimes it's not nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but I think it's important to understand who controls the media and the image that they want to portray Black women as in the media, because like Susie said, Cardi B has been raising a lot of children, but that's because Cardi B is one of the main things or the main people that has been seen on media wearing what she wears, saying what she says, acting like she does. So that's all children are being able to see nowadays. And I think that could be an agenda of some higher power, not higher power, but like maybe people in higher places who aren't Black women to show black women in a light that kids will now be subject objectifying black women instead of realizing who we are internally and how strong we are as a whole. Okay. Yeah, that, that presentation part. Um, one day at work, I saw a girl, her shirt was so thin. I've seen this twice where I could literally see the girl's nipples. The other girl, her nipples were pierced. This is how thin her shirt was. So you've walked around school. You left your house with that on. What made you think that was okay? Now, I do know generations are different. This generation is all like, show it all. Here's this. Just look at all of it. Don't You can look at it. But I, I, I'm like, nobody said anything to this girl all day because it was towards the end of the day, maybe seventh period. I'm like, I can see straight through your shirt. So at that point, I, I did see her go to the office, but I'm like, you walked around like that all day and nobody said anything, number one. Number two, I know you knew it was like that when you left home. Like I said, generations are different. Is that okay? Because again, if we go back to the Cardi B, show, show it off. You know, the, they show everything. They just wear enough to just cover up the pieces. It's not okay. Does that contribute to us being considered the mules? Okay, give them trash. Does that contribute to it? I just want to chime in and say, I think um, we as black women now, we actually have more access and more power to make a difference. So often when you think of a mule, it has to do with 
someone that has no access, has no power. And all of the women in this room, I, when I think about us and the change that we make in ourselves emotionally and spiritually and financially, each one of us has that opportunity to make a difference. And so that we are helping each other carry more of the weight of what we're dealing with and to love each other and to make a difference. And so that everyone, even if they don't have the access or the power, they can help someone else to make a difference and make things stronger and easier for them so that that, that weight is less. But it does take each and every one of us, you know, looking at the rest of the environment and our community and our families on how can we make it easier? Because, you know, life gets rough and being a mule and carrying everything, it's not fair and life will never always be easy or fair. But I think that what we can do is realize what we've got going on and help each other so that the next generation and our children say, okay, look, it's not okay to just objectify yourself and think about where do you want to be five years from now in the in the cultural world or in the corporate world? If you are dressing in a way that you think you want to be seen in the next position, think about how are these people going to be looking at you when it comes time to post for another job. So dress appropriately, act appropriately so that more positions and opportunities come to you. But it comes from us supporting each other in those in those arenas that we have to be that change. We can't just say, well, we want them to make things better for us. We have to be a part of that. Yeah, 100%. I had that situation in my house over the past, I'd say, nine or 10 years where I was battling with my stepdaughter over those very same things, just wanting to be the people that she saw in the media, dress like them, be like them, and, you know, no matter what that was, and knowing what she had in her life for a mother figure. I took a stance and decided I was going to help her with that. I mean, we went through some things. It was a struggle. It wasn't easy, but it's like we've all said, we have to stay the course. We have to be the example. We have to help them. And, you know, now today she's, what, 19, 20 years old, and she looks at me as her mother. I was the only one who was trying to help her, who was trying to change her and show her a better way. Corporate America is not going to accept you like this. And you can't put yourself out there in the streets like what you see on the music videos and on Instagram. Because when they log off, they go into a totally different world. It's not what you see. And now, you know, she sees that and she calls me and we talk through things. And she's like, I'm, I'm the person I am today because of those things that you showed me so when we see the opportunity, we have to we have to be there and help these young ladies as much as we can because it, we can change them. It might seem like it's not sinking in and they might not be receiving the message, but they do. And they appreciate the help, you know, like Amira at school, substitute teacher, right? You're making all of these connections with these young ladies and you're slowly, I mean, not even slowly, it was real quick, right? They just need somebody to see them. And like inside, not like the boobs out and the butt hanging out, you know? So. Um, I think that's actually a great point when it comes to actually going out and helping. Because like Susie said, when the girl was at the school with her nipples out and nobody said anything the whole day, like things can continue to be like that. And things can continue to be like that with no change. 
but you have to really go outside of yourself, even though things might be hard, even though it might be some ups and downs when it comes trying to come to changing others or trying to make an impact, then you just got to push through and keep on trying if you really want to see that change. But I did want to pose another question because I remember when Susie was saying the quote from the Beyonce song, it was saying, who is going to save us from ourselves? And I think that's a really interesting point because, you know, mules are made, you know, somebody doesn't, or a mule doesn't go and just say, I want to be a mule today. You know, mules are made to who they are. And I think there can be pros and cons to this black woman being a mule thing. Of course, a lot of times the cons fall on the black woman of having to bear so much for everyone. But I think it really speaks to how strong a black woman is in general and how strong that they have been in generations. Even when it came to slavery, I think that black women had to bear a lot of things when it came to black men or even the white men, I'm sure, that the black women had to be there for. And it's starting to trickle now into generations, even in my generation, because I feel like even though I don't have any kids or I don't, you know, have a partner that I'm committed to, that I still find myself carrying the burden for a lot of my family, a lot of my friends, and even a lot of my little cousins and my peers and my colleagues, just because that's who I am. And I think the whole mule thing is that black women are created to be so strong and so nurturing can be, of course, used against us, but also a good speaking of who we are as women. Okay. I like, as you were um, saying that, it made me think about how if the black woman is the mule, at this point, Alexis is our baby mule. So we have to be there to catch her and our other daughters when they do get to the point to realize, you know, nobody's coming to save me, at least not today. So I got to save myself. And we need to be there to, again, catch them when they do realize, you know, society may never change towards black women. And if they do, I doubt if it'll be in my lifetime, looking at how things are. Can um, chime in and say, honestly, if I'm being candid, I'm tired of saving myself. <laughs> Sometimes I just want to be saved. Like, I'm not even, I'm not going to sit up here and just go with that. Sometimes. Can you say that again for the, for the people in the back? I'm tired of saving myself. Who's going to save so, me? Like, who cares? Because I'm tired. Like, say, you know, right now today in my real life, I'm ready to like walk out the door and not even come back and leave all of it. Because I'm just tired. Yeah. But listen. And we're thought of as some kind of superhuman being. Just like even in medicine. A black woman will not get medicine or pain relievers as quickly as a white woman will because we're some kind of superhuman and we can take so much but can we take so much or is it that we have to take so much right so this is what i will propose to each of us which we already do this for each other anyway is that where we see another sister which i cannot stand when i'm out and about and i see a black woman and i go to speak to her and she looks away i'm like why are you looking away black lady i want to want to love on you Let's be more kind to each other. Always, because we're going we to have to help each other out. Because like you said, nobody's coming to save us. So we're going to have to save ourselves. So when I see another black woman, 
and I see her with like two different kind of shoes on. Maybe she just had a rough day. I'm just going to assume you had a rough day. Do what you need, black woman. Let's start loving on each other <laughs> more. Nashe. I love that. Say, hey, black woman, I see you, right? And just to be that spark and give. Sometimes it's not that somebody needs um, a handout. They just need a hand up. And sometimes they just need that extra energy just to say, you know what? I know your struggle. I've probably been where you are. And I see you trying to strive and do better. And sometimes it's just a matter of what you were saying. Just recognize each other, acknowledge each other, and then strive to try and get some more energy. Because you cannot, to Toya's point, Sometimes your emotional bank is empty. You cannot give what you don't have. So if you need to take that time to reinvest in yourself so that you can give to others, that's what we need to all each individually really focus in on so that we can go and give to somebody else at another time. But if you're just bankrupt, it's one of the things that we need to focus in on is how can we be more specific and targeted to say, I need some help and not be afraid to reach out and say, I need help, you know. Um, and then just try and help each other in the ways that we can, whether it's emotionally, financially, just say, hey, I see you and, you know, keep your head up and keep on moving. But it's very important. I share. So any other comments, any questions, any concerns, anybody want to add anything else to this conversation today? I just think this was a great topic to start off with um being that we're the melanated table and we're all women um i think this was a great topic to start our podcast off with so i'm excited to see um our next one and continue to grow with this village you're on mute amira Okay, ladies, here we go. I just want to say that we are so much stronger together than we are separate. And we prove that on a day-to-day -day basis, just those of us who are the Melanated Table, the village. Um, we do it every day, but for the, a lot of times, a lot of things we don't necessarily see until after somebody comes up to us after and says, hey, because of you guys or because of you, this, this happened. And just know that... <clears throat> As long as we are who we are and we're true to ourselves and we understand what it is that we are, what our, our mission is, what our purpose is, that we're going to continue to change lives. We're going to be the change that we want to see, but we have to continue doing and staying on the path that we've been on because that path has taken us on a beautiful journey. And we might not be able to change the world, but we can change the world of the people that are around us. And they will reach out and they'll, from where they go, they're going to touch lives. So it will eventually become a trickle effect. But who you touch touches others. So just remember that. And I love y'all. I love y'all. <laughs> it's, you know, Susie Q, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I'm just going to drink this water and mind my melanated bitch. <laughs> Upgrade. <laughs> Upgrade. <laughs> the iPad and iPhones ain't doing Oh, hey. Hey. We have fun. I love this. I love us. Yeah. 
melanated table. So in conclusion, you know, the black women are the mules of the world. However, we're going to flip the meaning of that. The mule must mean magical, magical and melanated because black women are magical creatures. We are magic. Let's, let's, let's do something with that mule, the M. You said magical. Let's go there. Magical. The U. <laughs> Unique. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Unique. Lovable. L huh? Lovable. Lovely. Lovely. Lovable. Luscious. And enough. Mm. The, the E is for enough. And the E. Enough. Oh, yes, because we oh, are enough. Yes. Absolutely. We, I like you that are all enough. enough. Who you are is enough. Yes, exactly. I'll take that that mule word and use those acronyms. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So say it again. We can carry a lot and let it go. Magical. Can you say that again? Z. <laughs> Magical. Yes. Mm -hmm. Unique. Yes. Lovable. Yes. And enough. Enough. Yeah. Level enough. enough. We need to make our t shirts. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that would be dope. That's a great idea. So we make the mule be strong and we are together. No, we need some cups with that on it. Yes. Look, we got the teeth free. We can make it we can make our definitely because we're sipping. Take sip, sip, sip. <laughs> Where your water lets. <laughs> okay. Okay. See, <laughs> we looking out. Okay, so now we've missed. We've lost a couple of people. All right, I'm gonna hit the stop record unless anybody helps.